All right, let's jump into the message today. Uh, If you want to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 35, verse 8. What I want to do today is I want to take a few moments. Thanks, Jerry. I'll get you back soon enough. Uh, I want to take a few moments. Last week, we've been talking about our series this month has been Build a City on a Hill. And last week, we talked about when you're building a city of God, when you're building a city on a hill, there's always a highway of holiness, as we talked about the importance of holiness in our lives and what God was doing in holiness. And I just felt there was so much there. I actually had a whole section of my notes I didn't get to because I get overexcited sometimes when I'm preparing and I pack way too much content into my notes. But I wanted to take a few moments today. I wanted to continue on this theme of a highway of holiness. Everybody say a highway of holiness. And that we're gonna build a highway of holiness Someone is in great agreement with my point there, amen. So let's read Isaiah 35, verse eight. And Isaiah 35, verse eight says, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if there are fools, they shall not go astray. Everybody say, a highway of holiness. And so last week, we talked about building a highway of holiness, And we talked about the importance of sanctification and holiness in our lives as followers of Jesus. We talked about holiness is a separation from sin unto God, with the major emphasis being unto God, that it's not just trying to avoid sin, but it's being devoted and committed to God and being committed to the Lord. And so that's really our focus that we want to talk about. But we also took some time talking about that and we talked about how holiness respects. So when we live in holiness, it is a respect for God. It communicates a respect for God and who he is and his holiness. We also talked about how holiness connects. Holiness connects, and so when we walk in holiness, it connects us to God. It connects us to God's presence, and when we allow sin in our life, it actually disconnects. We also talk about how holiness protects us, and when we live in holiness, there is a a, a hedge of protection that is around our hearts and around our lives, and when we move out of holiness, we actually open the door to the enemy to attack and to come after us, and then we talked about how holiness reflects the glory of God. When we live in a way of holiness, he is the holy one and we actually reflect his glory. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna continue to build on the theme of a highway of holiness and I wanna talk to you, it's gonna be a really practical message, but I wanna talk to you about some ways that we can break free from cycles of sin in our lives. I wanna talk about how we can break free from cycles of sin. And so if we can just bow our heads and let's pray and let's go before the Lord. In this, Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus for all that you're doing. God, we thank you for all that you have for us today. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name for this highway of holiness. God, we thank you for all that you want to do, God, all that you're building in us in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this, Lord. And Father, I pray that you will just do a work of holiness in each one of our lives in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Check what I sent you, babes, that's all. All right, so Isaiah 35, verse eight, and we wanna talk about a highway of holiness. And here's what, now here's the thing, when we talk about breaking free from cycles of sin, 
And we talk about breaking free from cycles of sin that are in our lives and things that are going on in our lives. How do we, because here's what I found, guys. Here's what I found. Most followers of Jesus want to walk in holiness. The vast majority of us in this room want to walk in holiness. There's a few people that kind of take advantage and, and have a wrong heart or have a wrong attitude, but the majority of Christians that I've talked to, the majority of Christians that I've pastored want to walk in holiness. They want to walk, they know sin is wrong. The majority of people in this place know that sin is wrong, know that sin is really going to, they, they don't want to participate in sin. They don't want to be part of it. They know that it's wrong. They don't want to do it. But here's the challenge. The challenge is they feel trapped and they feel hopeless. The challenge is that they, they don't know. It's, it's not that we want to sin. It's not that we want to do these things. We come out Sunday after Sunday and we'll come out of a service and we'll be like, okay, this week and I'm gonna, but then we, we like trip and we fall flat in our face. How do we break free from cycles of sin? How do we break free from these, these patterns that we fall into? Now let me say this before I start speaking into that. There are some, I pray there's none who are in this room, I pray there's none who are tuning in and listening to me right now, but there are some who are playing games with sin and then use, use grace and use forgiveness as kind of this just get out of jail free card. And we don't want to do that. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, 1 to 2, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And so there's this element in this, uh, that want, there is forgiveness, guys. There is grace. But it is not right for us to have a hard attitude that says, you know what? I don't really care. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I know God will forgive me anyways. I don't really care. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But there's grace, Pastor. Paul says very clearly here, Romans 6, verse 1 to 2, he says very clearly, yes, there is grace. And he says, when sin abounds, grace much more abounds. But he's basically saying to us, he's saying, this is not an excuse for us to continue in sin. Grace is not something that just covers sin. Grace is an empowerment for you and I to live free from sin. And so I wanted to just say, because I'm going to move on to the vast majority of us, but if there's anyone listening to me, if there's anyone here, if there's anyone tuning in online, and right now you are willfully living in sin and just saying, well, it really doesn't matter. God will just forgive me. It really doesn't matter. There's grace for me. I want to encourage you today. Please repent of that perspective. Change that perspective. Jesus came and died and rose again, not for you just to continue to willfully live in sin and say, well, he's just going to forgive me anyways. Yes, he's going to forgive us. And yes, he loves us. But he came and died and rose again so we could live free from sin. Come on, everybody say free from sin. And so if you're in that place today, make the change. Change your heart. Change your attitude. Because God's grace is there for you to do it. I love as well in this verse where he talks about sin and grace abounding. It's just an encouragement for us. If we go back into Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, Paul is talking about, he says, he says this phrase. He says, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. In other words, no matter how high sin gets, God's grace is always greater. God's grace is always more powerful. 
And so I want to use that as a foundational encouragement for us today. Maybe there's some areas of sin that you're struggling with in your life. I want you to know that the grace of God is going to be even greater. We live in a world right now where it's getting darker and darker, and sometimes we say, Pastor, there's just so much sin in the world around me. There's so much going on. There's so much temptation that I face. Here's God's promise. No matter how great sin gets, his grace is always going to be greater. And if the sin gets even higher, God's grace will get even higher. No matter what, his grace will always be greater. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Come on, say that with me. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So for all of us, though, practically, how do we break out of these cycles of sin? Because I know there's many people listening to me today, and we preach a message on holiness. We preach about a highway of holiness. But in your heart, you're going, man, I'm just struggling in this area. Or, man, I just keep dropping the ball in this area. I keep messing up in this area. And messages like this almost become hard because you just feel like, man, I'm just failing. But I want to talk to you about some practical things that we can do to break the cycle of sin. That's part of being on the highway of holiness. When you're on the highway of holiness and you learn to walk on this highway that God has, it breaks the cycles of sin in your life. Some of us, the devil has lied to us. He said, you're never going to be free. You're never going to get over this. You're never going to be able to move past your past or this issue in your life. And it's just going to be a cycle. But I want you to know today, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not what God says over you. That is not what God's word says about you. And that there is freedom in Jesus to break the cycle and the power of sin. So where do we want to start. I want to start with this point. You need to understand, if we're going to break the cycles and powers of sin, what we need to understand first and foremost is we need to know and believe that we are free in Jesus. Come on, somebody say, I'm free in Jesus. I'm not, I'm going to get free. Not one day, if I do enough things, I'm going to be free. But I want you to know and believe today that you are free in Jesus right now because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 2 says this, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. What's it talk about law? It's talking about the rulership, the dominion. See, the Bible teaches us that before Jesus, we were under the power of sin. We were slaves to sin. When you're a slave to something or someone, you don't have a choice in what you do. There is something that forces you and pushes you a different direction. Now, a lot of people in the world would not realize they're slaves to sin because the devil set it up in a way that he thinks he makes you think you're making your own choices, you're making your own decisions, but actually you're just following the path that he's laying out for you because you find out when you're a slave to sin when you decide you don't want to do it anymore. Or when you decide you want to stop or when you decide you want to change and all of a sudden you realize I don't have the control I thought I had. But see, the Bible says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. When you receive Jesus, when you're born again and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, the power of sin over your life is broken. The the power of sin in your life is broken and you are set free in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody say, I'm free in Jesus. Romans 8.36 says this, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now I want you to see here, this is past tense. Too often, and I understand why we do it, but we have this perspective, God, one day you will set me free. 
No, I want you to know this afternoon, family, that you don't need to wait for one day for God to set you free. Jesus already did everything he needs to do at the cross and the resurrection to destroy the power of sin, hell, and the grave. And the minute you invite Jesus into your life, you are now free. The power of sin is broken. The power of hell is broken. The power of the enemy is broken. Sin no longer has a hold over you. Now, some of you are listening, you're going, well, then what the heck is going on in my life right now, pastor? Because you're telling me sin doesn't have a hold, but I still feel like sin as a hold, this still is a struggle or a battle. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I want you to see this again. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But here's where I want to come to. Galatians 5 verse 1 says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, hear how it works. When you receive Jesus into your life, the power of sin is broken and you are set free. But you and I need to learn to stand firm in our freedom. In other words, we are not the bound trying to get free. We are the free in Jesus today learning to stand in our freedom. Now notice the enemy's still going to try and come again with the yoke of slavery. He's still going to try and come with temptation. He's still going to try and come with different sin to try and entice you or to get your attention. But you are no longer a slave to that. And God wants you to learn to stand in your freedom and to stand in what Jesus has done in your life. So some of you are saying, well then if I'm free, why am I struggling so much? It's just you haven't learned how to stand in your freedom today. But I want to encourage you, you are free, and God wants you to learn to stand in your freedom. Come on, somebody say, stand in your freedom. I'll say it again, we are not the bound trying to get free from sin. We are the free learning to stand in our freedom. We are the free learning to say no to the yokes of the enemy. It's a little bit like how many people get some packages delivered to your house. Maybe you like Amazon. Maybe you like online shopping. Some of us love it. You're not raising your hand, but you know it's true. And so you have all these packages. There's something exciting about getting a package delivered, something come to your house. But you know what? Nowadays, they just tend to leave it. But in previous times, they'd bring the package, but you'd have to sign for it. In other words, they bring the package to your doorstep, they bring it, but you still have to say, yes, I will take it, yes, I will sign for that. I want to encourage you, sin is no longer in your house, but the enemy is still going to try and make some special deliveries. The enemy is still going to try and send some packages of temptation, send some package of evil and wickedness, and what we need to learn to do when we stand in our freedom is we need to not sign for it and take it, but we need to return to sender. In other words, we need to learn to say, no, I'm not taking that lust in Jesus' name. No, I'm not taking that anger in Jesus' name. No, I'm not taking that fear in Jesus' name. The enemy may be trying to bring it, but I am standing in my freedom. Come on, somebody say, stand in your freedom. So how do we stand in our freedom? How do we take this stand? How do we do it? I want to just share several thoughts with you about how to stand in your freedom. Number one, if we're going to stand in our freedom, we need to make a decision of quality regarding this area of sin. Let me explain what I mean about that. A decision of quality is when you get serious about walking in freedom. It's almost like this picture of you draw a line in the sand and you say, in Jesus' name, I am not going down this road anymore. It's amazing to me, but I've seen it how often we never make that decision. 
We don't like it. We don't like what's happening. But we never actually make a decision of quality. We say today, February 25th, 2024, I am making a decision with the help of God that I'm not tolerating this sin in my life anymore. Come on, somebody said make a decision. Now part of making a quality decision is we need to call sin what it is. My father always taught me this when I was younger. I'm sure my mom had input into it as well. But he'd say, son, when you sin repent, make it hard on yourself. Don't try and take the easy road out. And don't just say, well, it was a weakness. It was a momentary lapse in judgment. It was, I mean, all the phrases, we call it what it is. It's sin. And so we need to call it what it is, a sin. And then we need to make a decision to, to not only call it what it is, but it's also uh, stop making excuses. Well, you know, it's just because of this and it's just because of, you know, like, you know, all the excuses that we can give. Don't make excuses. Don't call it something else for what it is. Call it sin. Draw a line in the sand and make a decision. God, with your help, I'm not going down this road anymore. Now, some might say, okay, but what if I still cross the line? Okay, well, we'll talk about how to do that, but it starts with the decision of quality. Everybody say a decision of quality. There's so many Christians that have never made a decision of quality regarding their sin. I remember one time I was going through something and I was praying, I was talking to the Lord and I was, I was getting kind of dramatic and I was like, Lord, it's just so hard and I'm doing everything I know to do right now, Lord. And I remember it was like I heard him so clearly in my heart in that moment, like so clear. And he said, no, you're not. Oh God, I'm doing everything I know to do. And he's like, no, you're not. There's more you could do. You're not, just, don't stop, yeah, God not have that kind of relationship. He's like, stop fooling yourself. You're not doing everything you know to do. And there's this point, you know, when you, you know, like when you, oh, this or that, but then when you get serious about something and you draw a line in the sand. So if we're going to break the cycle of sin in our life, we need to make a decision of quality. Somebody say make a decision of quality. So that's step number one. If you never make a decision of quality, you're never going to go forward. And sadly, a lot of time as Christians, we get good at saying the right things and looking the right way and doing all the right things, but in our heart, we've not made that choice. So I want to encourage you, if there's a cycle of sin in your life, start today with the decision of quality and make a decision of quality. There's going to be a change in my life. I can't do it in my own strength, but I can do it through the strength of Jesus Christ. I can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm declaring war on this sin in my life. And it's not gonna take me out anymore. It's not gonna take my family out anymore in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say make a decision. So that's step number one. Step number two is to confess your sin to God and to others. Now, I know some of you like point number two. You're not so happy, or point number one, you're not so happy with point number two. But let's look here. Confess your sin to God, first and foremost. First John 1 verse 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this is an incredible promise. God says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you, not just from some unrighteousness, but from all unrighteousness. God says, I'm going to be faithful to forgive. That means that he is going to forgive you no matter what. It's not going to be, well, is he going to forgive me this time? No, he said, I'm going to be faithful to forgive. Neither was he going to be faithful to forgive, but he also said, I am just. In other words, this is right. 
this is the right decision. Some of us, we keep telling God we don't deserve forgiveness and God's saying, I said you do deserve forgiveness. Let's not tell God and say we know more than God by saying I don't deserve forgiveness when God says you do. But here's this whole verse. It all hinges on the first part. If we confess our sins. When was the last time you or I went to God and confessed our sin to him? And, 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 and again, it's kind of like this decision of quality. I think part of what I'm talking about is I think there's a level of seriousness and sobriety that we bring. But it's amazing. Confession is a bit of a lost art, I think. Where we go to God and say, God, I confess. This is, I, I, I repent. I, I involve myself in this sin. Please forgive me. Have we gone to God with that confession or would we just kind of, you know, sometimes the way in, in our families, if they can be dysfunctional, you know, sometimes you have this big blowout argument and, and the next day everybody just pretends like nothing happened and that's kind of the way our family deals with things. Or our family, we do nice things for each other, but we never actually talk about what happened and we never actually make things right. And so some of us treat God that way. It's just kind of like, okay, I never actually talked to him. But here's what he said when you confess your sins. He said, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the power of the gospel. But it starts with confessing our sins. Have we confessed our sins to the Lord? What does it mean to confess? Confess means to tell or to make known, to admit, or to acknowledge our sin to God. I think there's something powerful that's going to happen. For some of us, we just say, let me just get back to that simple place of prayer. It's not like I'm just focused on my sin. I'm focused on so much more that God has. But if I've done something that breaks God's law, that breaks God's heart, I'm going to admit it before him. I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to ask him to forgive me. But then I love the second part because it says, not only do we confess our sin to God, but there's power and freedom we confess our sins one to another. Now this is where some of us draw the line really strong. We're like, okay, pastor, I don't mind talking to God, but I don't have to talk to somebody else about the sin in my life. But yet James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So not only do we confess our sin to God, but there's this element of confessing our sin one to another. Now please hear me, I say this many times. I'm not talking about putting it on Instagram. I'm not talking about putting it on Facebook. I'm not talking about putting it on TikTok and this is my weekly confession. That's not everybody's business. But who do you have in your life who's a brother in Christ, a sister and gentlemen, brothers, sisters, sisters in Christ that you can go to and that you can talk about what's going on in your life? Because what God says is when you confess one to another, and then watch this, you pray for one another, you're healed. You're free. Could I suggest that for some of us, the reason we're stuck in a cycle of sin is we're trying to keep it between us and God, and we're never inviting anybody else into our life who we can confess to, who can pray for us, who can lay hands on us, who can keep us accountable, and begin to see healing in our lives. I know a lot of times, like, I don't want anybody in my business. You know, we're embarrassed. We're ashamed. But listen, the Bible says that there is freedom and there is healing when we confess our sins one to another. That's why connect groups are powerful, because we build deeper relationships. Why you want to have some people in your life that you can, I'm working on this in my life. I want to come to a new place of accountability in this season. I'm seeing too many pastors and leaders and people flame out. And I realized part of the problem was they were just trying to keep it between them and God. I want to make sure even 
a little thing comes up. I want to have some brothers in my life. I want to have a relationship with my wife where I can say, hey, my thought life went a little weird today. Or hey, I had some pride today. Or hey, I got caught up in this attitude today. Can you pray for me today? I've already dealt with the Lord, but I want you to pray for me. That takes humility, but that's what brings healing and wisdom. Stop trying to keep it to yourself. Sin thrives in the darkness, but it dies in the light. Stop keeping it hidden. Start to bring it into the light in an appropriate way and watch God bring healing to your life. Guys, for some of us, this is the key for us right now, which is we keep it to ourselves. So we keep struggling. Bring it out into the light. I love this as well too. The one last thing I'll say about this and we gotta move on. We all know the second part of this verse. We quote it all the time. The prayer of a righteous man makes much power available. It avails much. But isn't it interesting that it's in the exact same verse as talking about being open about our sin, confessing to one another, and praying for one another. Could I suggest that maybe some of the part of the breakthrough from the cycle of sin is you stop trying to be a Lone Ranger Christian and do it by yourself and invite some of the body of Christ into your life who can pray for you and miss you. Why? Because the prayer of a righteous person makes much power available. Will we stop hiding it? Stop minimizing it? Stop making excuses for it. Confess it to God. Confess it to one another. Somebody say confess your sin. All right, I'm just about done here, Jerry, if you want to come back. Number three, put a repentance plan in place. So if you want to break free from a cycle, I'm trying to give you real practical tips today. Number one, make a decision of quality. You got to spend some time at the altar today. If you got to go home tonight, find some time with Jesus, make a decision of quality, confess it to the Lord, confess it to a brother or sister in Christ who can pray for you so that you would be healed, but then put a repentance plan in place. What does repentance mean? Repentance means to change your mind and change your direction. There's a massive difference between repentance and feeling sorry. A lot of people feel sorry for their sin, but they never repent from their sin. Here's what feeling sorry is like. I'm going into sin. I'm going to say, oh, I feel terrible. I feel awful. This is so bad. I really shouldn't be doing this, but I just keep going. Repentance is this. I'm heading into sin. You know what? I repent. I stop. I change my mind. I change my direction, and I go the other way. But see, if you're going to do that, you've got to make a plan in advance instead of waiting for the moment of temptation and now trying to figure out what to do. There's so many examples I could give you of this today, but let me just say, if you're dating as a couple and you're getting way too involved physically, you're going, and you know God's saying reserve that for marriage, but it's just hard. You're attracted to each other, et cetera. Here's the problem, though. You keep getting yourself in trouble because you're in the basement, in the dark, watching a movie with nobody else around, trying to resist temptation. Let's keep the Bible between us. Okay, the word of God between us. Here's what a repentance plan looks like. Stop hanging out in the basement and start hanging out in Tim Hortons. Why? Because the temptation just isn't the same at Tim Hortons. Right? It's totally different, but what do we so often do? We, 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 okay, God, a decisional quality. You know, let, let me just work that example. Decision quality. Okay, we're not going to do that anymore. It's hard, but we're going to wait. We're not going to do it anymore. And then, but a lot of times what we never do is we never confess it to God. We never confess it to anybody else. And then we never change our actions. You know, most of the time cycles of sin happen in similar places at similar times. Do you know some of you would break the cycle of sin in your life if you just go to bed at 10 o'clock at night? Right? Because temptation ain't hitting you at seven in the morning. 
Well, tell the truth, you're not even awake at seven in the morning. But see, a lot of times we don't do the practical things. It's like we just march right back into the same situation with ever changing what we're gonna do. Someone say put a repentance plan in place. So what repentance plan, what needs to change? And you think about it ahead of time. Don't wait until the moment, but make some decisions, create some boundaries, create some things in your life. You know, listen, the enemy will usually get you the same way. I remember a friend talking about this years ago, I was stuck with the halt. You got it, when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, you're tired, you become more susceptible. So if you're in a place where you're hungry, angry, some of you know the hungry thing, lonely, tired, so what do you, how do you structure, how do you make wise decisions? 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, therefore, let anyone thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will always provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now let me just do one thing out of this verse. Sometimes people run the phrase, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. God's not going to give you more than you bear. That's not in the Bible. God's not into giving you stuff that you have to handle or bear. That a lot of times people have just misquoted this verse. Here's what God's saying. God said, I'm your father. I am, my grace will always abound more than sin. So I will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. And I will also make a way of escape See, when you have a repentance plan, you learn to know where the escape exits are. Or you also learn to know not to go into certain situations because, you know, if I go there, that's probably going to happen, right? The friend says, hey, let's go out for drinks after work, but you've been breaking free from some stuff. You got a choice in that moment. Well, I'll just go and I'll drink water. No, I don't think you will. Maybe you just shouldn't go. Amen. Come on, guys. Can we talk real today? Right? It's all that. It's making some decisions, but it's also knowing God's always going to provide a way of escape. But here's the problem. Some of us, God provides a way of escape. We go, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm enjoying my sin too much right now. I'm not going to get out. But God says, no, I'm making a way of escape. But we've got to make that decision. Everyone say, put a repentance plan in place. As a great leadership expert taught, John Maxwell said this, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Will you plan for holiness in your life? Will you plan to do what God's called you to do? Will we do it? Put a repentance plan in place. Number one, everybody say decision equality. Number two, everybody say confess your sin to God and to others. Everybody say number three, put a repentance plan in place. And last but not least, I'm going to land this plane. You need to feast on the word of God. Make a decision that I'm going to feast on the word. Here's the problem for many of us with sin. We are on the defensive all the time. We're like, okay, just trying to say, I don't want to, I don't want to fall into temptation. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to hear. We're just on the defensive. I believe that God's not calling us to be on the defensive, but God is calling us to go on the offensive. And one of the best ways you can go on the offensive is that you can fill your heart and life with the word of God. When Satan came to Jesus with temptation, what did Jesus do? He said, it is written. He went directly to the word of God. Now notice he didn't do this. Hold on, devil. Where's my Torah? What's that verse again? What, what, what verse was I trying? No, he had the word in him. That's why it says in Psalm 119, 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so I want to encourage you today. Take whatever your struggle is, go to God's word and find out what God says about that.
Go to God's word and find out what God says about you. And then begin to confess or declare that word over your life. When you get up in the morning, don't wait for the enemy to come with his temptation. You get up in the morning. You spend time in the presence of God. You spend time in the word of God. And then you get the word of God, that sword of the spirit, and you go on the attack. Don't wait for lust to attack you. You attack lust. Don't wait for fear to attack you. You attack fear. Don't wait for greed to attack you or insecurity to attack you. You go on the attack. How do you do that? You begin to speak and declare God's word over your life. Let me give you an example. You can get up and you can say, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer gratify the cravings of my own sinful nature. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It may be weak, but my spirit is willing. I am never tempted beyond what I can bear. God always provides a way of escape. I flee youthful lust. I resist the devil and he must flee from me. I have the mind of Christ. I will set no evil thing before my eyes. I take captive every thought. My thoughts are true and noble and right and pure. I am sober and alert, ready for any attack. My God arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He who is in me is greater than he who's in the world. When evil comes, I stand my ground. I am a new creation. I have no condemnation. Christ has set me free. And by his blood, my hands are clean. My conscience is clear. My heart is pure. And the pure in heart will see his face. Lord, I want to see your face. I have one desire, your presence in my life. Show me your glory. What are you doing? You're going on the attack. Or you could get up and you could say, God chose me before the creation of the world to be homely, holy and blameless in his sight. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, has redeemed me. The blood of Jesus washes away my sin. The blood of Jesus purifies my heart. The blood of Jesus cleanses my conscience. The blood of Jesus gives me a fresh start. God raised me up out of the miry clay and placed my feet on a rock. I am forgiven. He remembers my sins no more. I am forgiven. He blots out my transgressions. I am forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed my transgressions from me. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for me. I no longer condemn myself, neither does God condemn me. I silence the accuser now. Satan is the father of lies. By the power of his blood, Jesus' blood, I tear down the veil of shame. Lord, take these worthless fig leaves. Clothe me in your righteousness. I run from darkness to light. My face is radiant and unashamed. Instead of shame, I receive double honor. I will never be put to shame again. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on, I want you to declare that with me today. Say, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. One more time. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Now that's just a few examples, guys. And can I say, some of you say, well, can I get those confessions? Can I get your notes? Can I challenge you something? Go in the Word and make your own. All right? At worst case, you can Google. But seriously, like, just... There's something about going to the scriptures yourself. Don't always have somebody else feed you. You go find the scriptures. You create the confession that means something in your life. Don't always look for the easy way. Sometimes you got to take the narrow way and the hard way because that's what leads to eternal life. But guys, there's power in the word and speaking the word of God. What did the psalmist say again? I've set your word in my heart. I've stored it up that I might not sin against you. Guys, but let me encourage you, there's freedom from sin today. You don't have to live under the yoke of sin for your entire life. But again, will we make a decision of quality? Will we 
confess our sin to God and to others? Will we come up with a plan of repentance? And then will we get in the word and speak the word? And can I encourage you? If you fall down, here's what you do. You get back up. If you have a rough week, don't skip church. Get to church and worship at the front. And just keep putting yourself here because here's what I've come to understand. The devil is naturally a quitter. He, 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 put, he, put, he goes about like a roaring lion to seek human may devour, but he's already a defeated foe. He's already been beaten. The only way he can get you to lose is to get you to quit. And so if you just make a decision, because I'm not saying it's always easy. I'm not saying just because you listen to this message, it's now going to be perfect, but I'm saying you got some tools to walk in freedom. But make a decision. I'm going to keep pursuing God. I'm going to keep loving Jesus. I'm going to keep coming back. If I got to confess something to the Lord 55 times, I will confess it 55 times but I'm going to walk in freedom and I'm going to walk in all that Jesus has for me. Why? Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Or she who the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on, somebody say, I'm free. Come on, say, I'm free. But will we stand in our freedom? Come on, let's bow our heads and we're going to finish this off here. Today, God wants to encourage us and challenge us on the highway of holiness. He wants to encourage us and challenge us that you, like, please, God, I just pray right now, break the lie off so many people that this is always the way it will be for them. Break the lie that they'll never overcome this. They'll never move past this. God, we pray that lie is broken because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I pray over every person in this place right now, God, Lord, you, you talk to us. God, convict our hearts of areas where we need to adjust for the highway of holiness. And Lord, I pray for those who need to make a decision of quality, today they will make that decision of quality. God, for those who need to confess to you or to confess to one another, today they will make that confession to you or to one another. God, for those who need to put a repentance plan in place, today they will make that decision to put that plan in place and follow that plan. And God, that all of us will be inspired and challenged more today to put your word in our hearts so we will not sin against you. And so, Father, I thank you for just ministering to each one of us here today. And here's why I just want to ask, if God's talking to you about something, it could be so many different things in this message. This is a general call. But if God is talking about something, you want to say, yes, Lord, I hear you. And Lord, I say yes to what you're saying to me. I want you just to raise your hand right now, wherever you are. Just raise your hand. If you're saying, God, I'm saying yes to you. God, I'm saying yes to what you're saying. I'm saying yes to what you're speaking to me. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for this. Lord, we thank you for your work in our hearts and our lives. We thank you for this being a year of freedom. Thank you for this being a year of building a highway of holiness. God, I pray for those who maybe are struggling with shame and condemnation today. God, I thank you that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I thank you for the power of condemnation and shame being broken today. And Lord, I thank you that he or she who the Son sets free is free indeed. And this is a house of freedom and that we walk and live in your freedom in the name of Jesus. Let's all stand to our feet. We're gonna bring this to a close. So Father, let's just raise our hands to the Lord. Father, just as we go from this place today, Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus, God, for grace 
to live free. Come on, just receive grace from God right now. We don't do this in our own strength. It's not in our own ability. We do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you for grace in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that there'll just be an outbreak after this service of confession to you, of confession to spiritually mature individuals that can help us. God, of action plans for freedom in our lives. And God, of us declaring the word of God over our lives. And so we thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Just with head bowed and eyes closed before I dismiss, I want to give an opportunity if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus. If you don't know God, God loves you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to walk with him, but you've been separated from him by sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but there's a gift of God that's eternal life. We have to make a decision to turn our back on sin and commit our lives to him. And if you're in this place today and you need, you know you need Jesus, you know you need to get right with God, or maybe you used to follow God, but you fell away and you know you need to come back to him. If you're either one of those people today, I want you to do something that's bold, but I think it's right. I just want you to wave your hand at me right now. If you say, I need to pray today to give my life to Jesus, to give my life back to him. Thank you. I see that hand there. Thank you. I see a hand there. I see a hand there. Is there anybody else? Thank you. I see a hand back there. If there's anybody else that says, I need to be right with God today, just with a hand raised. Thank you. I see another hand back there. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, I see a hand there. If there's anybody else. All right, let's do this. Let's all pray this prayer together. All of us together, but those of you who raised your hand, you just obviously pray it, you know, between you and the Lord right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you came for me. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again. Today I turn my back on sin. I commit my life to you. Fill me. Free me. Forgive me. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you. All right. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to dismiss. If you raise your hand or you know you should have, we're going to have several leaders off to this side of the stage. So if we could just some of our leaders be over there, we would love, be so honored just to pray with you, to encourage you for a few moments. We won't take much time at all. And so if we can do that, I don't know if Corey's in here. Corey might be out. Okay, so Corey with the connect. So we're going to do that. We're going to ask today if we can be even a little more this is my word for the week, expeditious, but if we could a little more expeditious in exiting today, that would be great because we have our annual general meeting in here. So those of you who are members, if you need to pop out for a quick break, we're gonna have a couple snacks for you, but we're gonna ask in a moment, we'll explain, you can come check in at a table that's gonna be over here, grab your package. We wanna be thorough, but also be honoring of your time for that, for the AGM. And so other than that, we are finished today. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for just your, your uh, yeah, what, thank you for what God's doing and all that's happening here at Toronto State Church. We love you guys. God bless you. However, remember, School of the Spirit is still running in the back. Dance will also just find Simone and still direct you. You're in the one of the back classrooms as well. And then again, and I'll ask for the members if you want to come and just come close to the front when you do come. But take a bathroom break if you need to, anything else in between. But we love you. God bless you. Have an amazing Sunday. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen.